This is Growing Pulse Crops, and I'm your host, Tim Hamrich. Today on episode four of season two. I strongly believe that that blip that we've seen since 2017 and the last couple of years, that's a temporary issue that we're working through. The medium and long-term opportunity for pulses, I believe, is really, really strong. We have a great discussion for you featuring Jeff Rumney, Vice President of Marketing at the USA Dry Pea and Little Council, as well as Johanna Stobbs, who works to promote USA Pulses in the European market, and Raul Caballero, who represents USA Pulses in Mexico and throughout Latin America. This is a great conversation about what has driven demand for Pulses traditionally in these areas, as well as the innovation that will help drive demand even further in the future. I think you'll leave this episode with an optimism for the strategic position of pulses in the global marketplace. Kicking things off is Jeff Rumney, who gives some historical context for the work the USA Dry Pea and Lentil Council has been doing. So the USA Dry Pea and Lentil Council represents dry peas, lentils, and chickpeas, the farmers and the industry. And for over 30 years, our organization has been developing the international market. You know, if you look at our export statistics, a majority of our product is exported. You know, peas, lentils, and chickpeas go to a number of markets. India, historically, has been our primary market, and that took 30 years to develop. We also have a lot of exports going in, into China as well, and the European market and the Latin American market are very important markets as well. You'll notice in those markets, is you know, especially in India, there's a tradition of pulse use whether it be peas, lentils, chickpeas, or other pulses. In some of our newer markets, like in Southeast Asia, they really don't have a tradition of using these types of products in their recipes. So it takes a lot of work with consumers and professionals that are in the health and restaurant industry to develop those markets. And Johanna, from the uh, the consumers in your region, you know, what are the trends kind of happening with pulses in that area of the world? Okay, well, what's uh, very interesting about working in the European market is that Europe is, of course, made up of 27 different countries, plus the UK, so that makes 28 different markets to be dealing with. And it's a modern market, it's a demanding market, and the trends are all towards pulse eating, and also the overriding demand is for quality. And the great thing about U.S peas, lentils, and chickpeas, is that we deliver quality consistently year after year. And that's what makes the European market so dynamic for us. The other thing to know with 27 countries plus the UK, every market is different. Every market has a different culinary history, cuisine tastes. But again, the overriding thing that you see in Europe is everything is very modern. Any European city that you come now you to, you would see the most modern supermarkets and markets of all types. And I think the consumer is increasingly understanding the importance of eating pulses for a healthy diet. The whole idea of eating pulses as a wonderful plant-based protein has finally arrived in the consumer's mind in Europe. So my message is that the U.S. is supplying Europe with wonderful, excellent quality pulses, which is what's driving demand. And also the consumer in Europe is now fully aware and more understanding of the importance of consuming pulses. 
And on that last point, on, on the consumer part of things, you know, uh, other than the quality, which you're talking about, what is kind of driving their intrigue into pulses? Well, I think, again, it's a, a fact of health. Everybody, especially during the COVID-19 crisis, has become more and more aware of what we eat and the importance of eating healthily. And during COVID, during lockdown, which in Europe continues, people are cooking more. They're in their own kitchens more. And when they do go out one visit a day to shop, more and more they're choosing pulses because they realize that that is one of the healthiest things they can be eating during a pandemic time. But it isn't just a question of cooking at home. What you see on the supermarket shelves in Europe is a whole series of brand new products. There's a lot of innovation in canned goods, in frozen foods, in packaged foods. You pick up a can of chickpeas, for example, and it's not just necessarily going to be chickpeas inside. There could be other vegetables, a sauce that's built into the can. So you open the can and already you have a chickpea salad. Now this for Europe shows innovation. And I believe that's the way the market is going to grow and develop. Innovation and a greater interest in pulses because of the health message that is getting through. Outstanding. Thank you so much, Joanna. And Raul, from your vantage point, are you seeing similar things? Absolutely. I think the trends for plant-based foods are developing. As you know, in our region, pulses are a staple. You know, a lot of the countries that, that are based in, in Latin America, you know, are used to eat on a regular basis. You know, their corn and, of course, their pulses, a lot of them eating beans, but, of course, complementing with peas and lentils. And I think now, in these days, that, you know, the people are looking for a healthier lifestyle, you know, looking at the middle and upper middle classes, they're starting to learn more and be more willing to try these these foods. Also, you know, we have problems in Mexico and the rest of Latin America with malnutrition, right? So the lower income classes don't have enough protein input. And at the same time, you know, they are having obesity problems because they cannot have quality food. So they eat a lot of carbs. And with this trend, the governments are also very interested in trying to flip the situation because the health bill is, is really high, right? So the public expenditure to keep up that health within the population is very difficult. So nowadays you see all of these governments within the region doing a lot of efforts to promote pulses. And also the population is looking at those new opportunities. And I think the most exciting part of it is that because of all this trend, we're looking at, at new ways of preparing things. Uh, we're looking at, you know, new recipes from different ethnicities. And I think that's what makes it interesting, right? Because for sure, maybe people in Europe are interested to see, you know, what's cooked in, in Latin America. And of course, we like, you know, the recipes from North America, the recipes from, you know, Asia, from Europe. And, and that's what makes it exciting and, and a global opportunity. And then in addition, the other thing that I see a great opportunity, and I think it's it's happening as a trend, as you know, since the year of the pulses in 2016, the industry has recategorized the industry by working on developing ingredients, right? So now we have added value ingredients such as the flowers, the isolated proteins, the fractionates, and that is incorporated into the formulas of foods, you know, the regular foods that we eat, you know, the snacks, the bakery, pizza, you know, uh, having an added base of protein that is just, you know, a new ingredient that uh, the food manufacturers are considering. So, you know, this is great. 
Within the traditional, you know, there, there are certain pulses that are more consumed in specific countries. But as, as I mentioned, you know, there is now a developing trend of the consumer to look up for new pulses. So one of the pulses that has been doing well and that has been perceived as a growth in general is lentils. You know, the lentil varieties coming from the United States are well liked in terms of, of quality. We do have an opportunity with the pricing in terms of what has become available through North Dakota and Montana, because, you know, we have always competed with Canada. You know, their economies of scale present them a good opportunity to them. But now with the incorporation of these landfills, you know, it makes the United States more competitive. And I think, you know, that is where the opportunity is. You know, we, we eat a lot of small lentils, such as the Estens or the Viceroy varieties. And that is probably, you know, one of the products that we have a great opportunity in, in our markets. Great. And are there in any specific countries within your region, role that are either really kind of trending strongly or, you know, just kind of big, uh, big demand areas for U.S. pulses? If we break it down, you know, Mexico is always a potential market because of the population that we have. But also uh, Colombia and Peru have always shown in South America uh, potential because uh, the consumer in, in those two countries really value the quality of U.S. products. You know, they are willing to pay for that extra because, you know, the quality over other origins is much superior. In Central America, you know, there is a new trend in a couple of countries. One of them, as an example, would be Dominican Republic, uh, Guatemala. But that is a market that I think we have an opportunity to develop. You know, as consumers are looking now for, you know, better, healthy eating to reinforce that immune system, as, as Johanna mentioned, you know, people are worried about what, what they eat. And this is a great opportunity for the pulse industry. Excellent. And Johanna, for you, any specific countries within your region that either are trending strongly or, or just historically very strong demand for U.S. pulses? I wanted to mention that Europe as a whole is a tremendously big market for U.S. exporters. Uh, for example, this past year, we exported to the European Union as a whole 90,000 metric tons of pulses for a value of $60 million. As for specific countries, that's what makes it so interesting to work in Europe. I could cite, for example, Denmark and many of the other Scandinavian countries where organic pulses are beginning to be a consumer demand. And why is this? Well, in Scandinavia, the health message is even more important. And consumers believe that if a pulse is grown organically, then there are no pesticides and the, the product is healthier for the family. So I see that it's just in the beginning stages. I'm not saying that organics is going to become the wave that will spread all over Europe, but certainly in the Scandinavian countries, they are leading the demand for organic pulses. And then you have countries that are really interesting, like Turkey. For example, in Turkey, there's a huge snack food industry called leblebe. And this is the use of chickpeas roasted as a snack. And leblebe is consumed throughout Turkey every single day. You can't go into a restaurant and, and have a, a beer and sit down at a, a table without somebody putting a little dish of leblebe in front of you. Now, why is this important for the U.S. growers? Our chickpeas, our U.S. chickpeas are greatly preferred in Turkey. Why? Because they roast better. 
than the chickpeas of other origins. They don't crack under the tremendous temperature characteristics that, that they have to go through. So there are many countries in which a specific pulse variety is very popular and actually demanded. But when you look at Europe, all 27 countries plus the UK, it's very interesting to work in this market. Each market is slightly different. Each market is looking for something a little bit different. But as a whole, it's a tremendous market for the U.S. pulse industry. Great. You've got me craving leblebi, and I've never even heard of it before just now. Exactly. (laughs) When you go to Turkey, that's the first thing you should ask for. They will be U.S. chickpeas for sure. Wow, that's great. Well, well, Jeff, maybe this is a good transition into more more of the innovation that's kind of happening that's developing these global markets. Obviously, we couldn't bring a representative on from every country because it would just be too many voices on a podcast. But maybe you could speak to some of the uh, big demand areas you know, that we don't have represented here about what types of innovations seem to be helping grow demand in those areas. So the, the council just commissioned a large market survey. We looked at 15 international markets and the U.S. market for both the supply and demand of the use of pulses as, as ingredients, pulse protein, you know, pea protein, flours, starches, and fibers. And from those results, it's pretty clear that globally, the highest demand for very innovative products is right here in the United States. A lot of innovation, a lot of investment going on right now in companies that manufacture products like Beyond Meat, which is a beef analog made out of pea protein or, you know, rippled milk or snacks that are made out of, out of these ingredients. But interesting, flour that's made from pulses, the largest consumer of that is India because the Indian culture has been making flour from a type of chickpea for thousands of years. It's interesting. We call it innovation, but the people in India have been doing this for a thousand years. So they do sprouted pulses to make flour out of. Because a lot of people in India don't necessarily eat meat, they see pulses as their source of protein. And it's used in many, many different recipes, many different forms, because they eat it basically for every meal every day. So here in the United States, we're trying to take some of their traditional uses and incorporate it into our innovative ideas. The other sources of innovation and markets that are using a lot of these ingredients include Europe. There's some large companies in Europe that have been using these types of products for quite a number of years. In Southeast Asia, we see a lot of investment, a lot of new companies springing up. Their use and demand isn't really high right now, but a huge amount of interest going on there, a very strong trend. China is a little bit different story. China has been buying yellow peas from the United States and from Canada for about 10, 15 years now. China takes those yellow peas and fractionates them into starch, fiber, and protein. The Chinese food manufacturers use that starch to put into their noodles, which people in China eat every day in their soups. The protein is actually a byproduct from that manufacturing process. And that protein then got re-exported back to North America. And a lot of it ended up in dog food. So when we did this large market analysis of all these different countries like Mexico, Peru, Germany, Singapore, Taiwan, and China, 
one of the things that we found is that the largest uses of ingredients around the world, excluding India, is pet food in North America and Europe. I liken the technology of pulse ingredients very similar to the transitions that we made when we buy a car. And we think, you know, 30, 40 years ago when we buy a car, that car was fueled with gasoline that ran through a carburetor. Years after that, all of our cars became fuel injected. And for most people, you know, they didn't really care, you know, if it was carbureted or fuel injected. They just wanted to get in their car and, and go to work. They didn't really care about the technology. That same type of thing is happening with pulses and other innovative proteins where people just want great things to eat. A lot of times they don't really understand or are worried about the underlying technology. When they go to the market and buy products, they're first looking for taste, they're looking for convenience, and then they're looking for health. Will their family eat it? Is their family going to be healthy? And pulses and pulse ingredients really fit into that consumer mindset of what's going to make my family happy, what's going to make my family healthy. The advice that I give to a lot of farmers in Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Idaho, Washington, and beyond is really get connected to your processor. You know, that company that's buying your wheat and your canola and your pulses, they are members of our organization. You know, they go to these trade missions throughout the world. They've met with these buyers in Europe and Mexico, in Pakistan and in India. They understand what these market needs. They come to all, all of our board meetings, all of our committee meetings. They see all these reports. They can really be a great tie from the information, the huge amount of information that we have at the council back to you as a producer to help make these decisions. A perfect example of that are lentils. There are many, many different classes of lentils. There's Richley lentils, there's Eston lentils, there's French green lentils, there's red lentils, there's black beluga lentils. So when you're making that first decision, oh, you know, I would like to grow lentils. You need to check in with your processor to make sure that that company has a market to sell those lentils to. Right now, we know that there's a huge world demand for red lentils, but here in the United States, you know, we're not a driver of red lentil production. And that's because red lentils are more of a commodity. People buy red lentils based on price, not so much on quality. That statement is about 80% true. But when you look at a lentil like a Pardina, where those go into a very traditional cooking environment in Spain primarily, that consumer knows that product, they've been eating that product, those Pardina lentils for decades. They have traditional recipes that those Pardina lentils go into. They know how it tastes, they know how it cooks. When you grow a Pardina lentil in the United States, those people in Europe know exactly what they're getting. And when you make that decision and you raise a high quality Pardina lentil, just as, as an example, you'll get a premium price in that Spanish market. So that's the difference between growing a commodity like a red lentil versus a very specific lentil like a Pardina. That story fits into all of our different commodities. There's a huge difference between growing a, a particular variety of green peas versus a yellow pea because they're going into 
more of a commodity market versus a specialty market, depending on what country you're going into and what use they're going into. The processors know this information and they're a great resource. Excellent. And Raul, for you down there, I know we talked about sort of what's historically been happening in the region, but I'm curious with what Jeff's talking about with the different classes of pulses, are you seeing some differentiation in your market there? And then also, if you want to talk more on the innovation side too, I want to give you that chance. Thank you very much, Tim. Our markets are very traditional. You know, for years, the Latin American consumer has always focused on green lentils. And what I mean by this is that when they go to the market to buy their lentils, they want to make sure they're green. Because if they find another variety that even by nature is brown, they are going to have the perception that the product is old, that is rusted, you know, that the product has been sitting in the bin for a long time. And that's just a perception. It has changed with time. And there's been some markets that have been a little bit more receding, you know, because this world is changing and the consumers are evolving. You know, we are trying new things, right? And, and that is one of the jobs that we have to do. One example that has been done maybe for the last 10 years is Pardina lentils in Colombia. You know, Colombia is also under the same habit as Mexico, you know, preferring small green lentils like the Eston variety. And one day, you know, they decided to make a test and there was one importer that started distributing the product, making it a premium product at the marketplace. And then, you know, it, it started uh, replicating within the rest of the distributors and importers, you know. The Perdino lentil became a premium lentil in Colombia, and now, you know, it is somehow preferred. It, it is not the one with the largest volume, but, you know, that shows an example of, of how things evolve. We're still very traditional to the types of pulses that we like. As I mentioned earlier, you know, we are very dry bean driven. But despite that, you know, as I said, the world is changing, and I think there is opportunities to try to provide new items and try to develop them within the markets. In terms of uh, added value, as I mentioned before, some of the segments that we have seen a lot more opportunity and that, that we have been working on, you know, with training webinars, you know, with chefs and with uh, research and development engineers is the snacks industry and the bakery industry. The snacks industry in Mexico continues to grow at a 4% pace per year. No matter what ingredients they use, you know, we are a country that snacks a lot. But also, as I mentioned before, there is this great problem with nutrition. And the government before COVID-19 was already in red numbers. Now with COVID-19, they're doing terrible. So there is a real strong effort that the government is doing to try to teach the consumers about healthy eating because we have a problem. We don't have the sufficient disposable income, you know, and in terms of the general population to be able to consume a healthier diet, you know, and that includes a well mix of proteins, vitamins, minerals. We lean a lot towards carbs because of price, right? However, with this effort that the government is doing, they're starting with a legal framework. Recently, in 2019, there was a proposal for a new front pack labeling, which basically is designed under black stop signs, okay? And these stop signs show to the consumer a high content of saturated fats, calories, added sugars, and with these ingredients in these uh, formulas, the number of signs that you will find in the 
from packed labeling. So if the product has an excess in fat, sugars, sodium, and calories, you're going to see four to five signs. And that is going to create somehow or grab the attention from the consumer on an immediate base to either select and decide to buy that product the moment or not. So it's, it's a little bit of a psychologic move, you know, towards consumer to try to make them not buy those type of products. So all of the manufacturing base in Mexico is worried about that because, you know, the more signs, the less possibilities of people to decide to purchase the product. So they aren't reformulating. Today, the consumer is asking for healthier and the manufacturing base is forced to reformulate and to start using healthier ingredients. And this is where we see the opportunity, you know, on the plant-based for pulses, you know, especially for the pea flowers. We, we believe that the pea flower is a more stable ingredient in terms of price. You know, the economies of scale that peas can have would be or work much better than lentils because as we have all these different varieties for lentils, there's a lot of preferences and demands in different parts of the world and that can create some volatility. So I think peas, you know, will continue to do well. We've seen a number of developments taking place in Mexico with bakery, like cookies and breads, energy bars, breakfast bars. And now we're looking as well at uh, snacks, you know, all these different types of snacks, like the tortilla type. Also roasted peas directly, you know, without having to make it an ingredient, but that market has been developing, you know, for the last probably 15 years and, and it's growing. You can see them now in, in all of the supermarkets. And that is the trend that we see. I think, uh, you know, it's promising. As Jeff mentioned, you know, demand in the United States is very high. And sometimes, you know, we, we have a little bit of difficulties to try to develop things in our regions because everybody wants that ingredient. Yeah, thank you, Raul. Appreciate that. And then, Johanna, I want to take it back over to you on the classes of pulses. I know you mentioned, you know, in, in Turkey, really liking U.S. pulses because of that dish. But just in general, there are certain classes of certain pulses that just are really in high demand over in the EU and U.K. Green peas are very much in demand, and they basically go into the canning industry, which is very, very strong in Europe. Chickpeas are also in demand, and that depends on the size. There will be certain countries and certain markets that will demand a 10 millimeter chickpea or a 9 or even an 8. In terms of lentils, as Jess has already mentioned, the Pardina lentil is the absolute go-to lentil for Spain. In general, though, the Richly lentil is very, very strong in Europe. Again, I wanted to go back to something that Jeff said about the importance of the relationship between the farmer and the processor. I think one of the things that makes the European market so strong is it has a long history of excellent relationships between processors and shippers and buyers in Europe. These relationships go back over a long period of time. Many buyers in Europe are on a first-name basis with their suppliers in the U.S. And this relationship of trust and the understanding that the contract will be fulfilled exactly as it has been set out really makes for the strength, I think, between the United States and Europe in terms of the pulse industry. And again, back to ingredients, there are three countries that are really moving ahead very strongly in the use of yellow pea flour. They are Germany, Belgium, and France. 
And these three strong countries are really the leaders in Europe of the development of yellow pea flour. What's interesting is that the consumer goes to the market and she buys maybe a canned product, a packaged product, or a frozen food product containing pulses. She doesn't necessarily know, in fact, she doesn't know that within those, there could be a protein boost that has been added by yellow pea flour as an ingredient, as a supplement that isn't mentioned. So we are seeing in Europe the use of yellow pea flour and its fractionates uh, being used as an ingredient throughout the continent. And that, I think, I would agree with Raoul. That is the future. We're going to see that grow and develop enormously in the years to come. Jeff, any closing comments here? So as a U.S. grower of pulses, we have faced some amazing opportunities and actually some amazing challenges over the past few years. We saw a huge run up both in price, production, and exports coming up to 2016. And 2016 was that glory year where production was really, really high and prices were really good. And we had a huge amount of production and a huge amount of exports. And then we entered into some challenging years with tariffs and trade wars, um, oversupply of chickpeas, price challenges in chickpeas. And farmers of pulses had a lot of challenges. Exporters of pulses had a lot of challenges. I strongly believe that that blip that we've seen since 2017 and the last couple of years, that's a temporary issue that we're working through. The medium and long-term opportunity for pulses, I believe, is really, really strong. You know, we go back to the fact that we have this huge population of people around the world to feed. And pulses are very efficient. They're a great source of protein. They're very sustainable. They work really well in rotation with wheat in our production areas. And this product is gonna be in growing, growing demand around the world. So the long-term look on pulses, very, very strong. What a fantastic conversation there about the global demand for U.S. pulses. Thanks so much to Jeff Rumney, Johanna Stobbs, and Raul Caballero for being on the show. I really enjoyed that, and I think now I'm ready to try some Leblebi. Make sure you subscribe to this show on your podcast platform of choice. That way, you won't miss our next episode with Dr. Alan McKay about measuring and even mapping the presence of soil-borne diseases. Here's a sneak peek. What we've essentially got now, we've sampled 850 paddocks over two years. We've got a pretty large collection of samples. We've only just now completed the bulk of the sequencing, and we've now set that up so we can map those results across the country, and that's pretty exciting. You can do it by crop or by all crops, and click a button, and suddenly you see a map of where this thing is across the country, and it's pretty exciting when you see that. Again, be sure that you're subscribed to this show so you don't miss that upcoming episode. This show is brought to you by the Pulse Crops Working Group with support from the USA Dry Pea and Lentil Council, as well as the North Central IPM Center and USDA NIFA. We're releasing these episodes every other week throughout the growing season, and we want to make sure the information is relevant to you. So please tweet us any feedback or suggestions using the hashtag growing pulse crops. And we'll be back with another great episode in a couple weeks.